Hello and welcome to Creative Conversations. We've got an exciting uh, episode here. Uh, I am at Tate Britain, um, just about to start looking at the William Blake exhibition with my guest Anna Saban Lane, a novelist. And we're going to walk around the exhibition and give you our um, hot off the presses uh, views and impressions of the William Blake exhibition. So welcome Anna Saban Lane. Hi there. Now, can you tell our listeners something about yourself? Uh, I'm a, an author and a journalist, and uh, I have a particular interest in William Blake and have done since, uh, since the university days, really. But at the moment, I'm starting work on my second novel, which is going to feature William Blake um, as one of the sort of themes of the novel. So I'm very excited to be here for the exhibition. Yes, that's going to be exciting because your novels are thrillers, a bit like Dan Brown, but with a literary twist. And this second novel is, has got a William Blake theme. And you've written a first novel called Unlawful Things that has a particular literary background, uh, a historical figure. Tell us a little bit about that to start off with. Okay, um, well, Unlawful Things is about the search for a missing Christopher Marlowe play, Christopher Marlowe being the um, Elizabethan playwright who is a contemporary of Shakespeare and, and died in uh, uh, mysterious circumstances. Um, William Blake um, will be the focus of the second novel. Um, will feature the same um, amateur sleuth, um, Helen Oddfellow, who is um, a, a, an academic and a, a London walking tour guide. And I really am very interested in William Blake as a London artist and poet um, who lived practically all of his life in London and yet created you know, amazing work that has resonated worldwide. That's brilliant. So as we walk around the exhibition, I hope you'll share some of your research that you've done on William Blake with us. Um, in the meantime, now, are you an art newbie, art explorer or art expert? Well, I wouldn't describe myself as an expert in any way because I've never studied art, but um, I've always loved coming to art galleries and um, so I guess I'm very much an explorer. Great. Now, I, I would say I think I'm an art explorer as well. Um, I don't know very much about art, uh, but I love walking around galleries, particularly with friends. Um, and I hope that our conversation today captures some of the kinds of things that, um, you know, friends talk about as, as, they, as they go around a gallery. Um, and I, for me, I know William Bake as a poet because I studied him as part of my English degree, but I don't know any of his art. So I'm looking forward to that. So um, let's, let's have a little exploration. So we're now looking at the first room of the William Blake exhibition. And what's interesting to me is that, of course, we think, oh, William Blake, he's an old master type person. And we're looking at some old paintings and old drawings. But actually, if you think about it, he was born in the 1750s. So in his 20s, it was the 1770s. That was a time of revolution in Europe, a lot of social change. And um, he was looking, uh, as a young man in his 20s, to kind of um, portray um, uh, the drama of the social change uh, and to make political statements rather than making pretty pictures. What do you say about that, Anna Saban Lane. I mean, in his earliest um, years, he was he was very much a you know he was learning. Um, he he was the, the paintings, uh, the, the sketches that we see over here are, are very much taken from sort of classical um, art, classical statues where he was learning to draw at the Royal Academy. Um, they are very classically based, and although a lot of what he went on to do later, um, sort of he rejected that. The the format of the classical um, paintings and sculptures, I think, kind of stayed with him very strongly um, through all that time. 
And he had um, uh, he he went off um, down the Medway um, with a friend and got arrested as spies. That's quite quite a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's the equivalent of you know going and, and photographing or, or filming military installations today. There were naval um, uh, operations going off um, down the Medway uh, River, um, and he went with his friend Thomas Stoddard, who is a, a friend through most of his life, and they were just sketching various you know picturesque scenes, but they they were arrested and asked to account for themselves, uh, which I think must have been quite scary, you know, at a time when it didn't take much to get you into trouble with the authorities. And that feels actually quite resonant for today. Yeah, completely, yes, yes. Um, I mean, the, the, the Gordon riots happened, I forget the date, but not long, around about that period, and Blake was, was certainly caught up in um, the, the Gordon riots, um, although he set, says, you know, that was, he just got caught up in the crowd. But, I mean, if we see the sort of demonstrations that have been going on in the last few weeks even, um, outside Parliament or the Extinction Rebellion protests, it's awfully easy to get caught up in a crowd, and, uh, you know, you, who knows where it's going to take you. Well, I'm delighted to have one of the curators of the William Blake exhibition here, Martin Myrone. Um, Martin, can you tell us about, um, well, first, your, your role in this exhibition? Yeah, I, I, with Amy Conkenna, my co-curator, we've selected the works in the exhibition, we've thought about how to present it, and the narrative that we tell about Blake and his art and his life um, in the show. So, yeah, we, we've spent um, several years now, I mean, I've worked on a Blake exhibition the last big Blake exhibition here at the Tate in 2000. So we've been thinking about Blake even since that time. Blake is a big figure in British art, British culture, um, and every generation there's the chance to present Blake in depth, in this kind of depth. His works are all very fragile, very vulnerable, so they can only be shown for a limited amount of time. So this is a really rare opportunity to be able to bring so many works together, over 300 works in the exhibition, bring them together in one place and take a fresh view, really, of who Blake was, what's his place in history, and why has he been such an inspiration for so many different kinds of people over the decades and centuries. And for you personally, what was... Uh, can you describe some of the most, maybe, uh, exciting or best moments for you in putting together this exhibition? I think the thing for me is, is, is the chance to rediscover Blake as a visual artist. I'm, you know, I'm primarily an art historian. Amy's primarily an art historian. Uh, the scholarship on Blake has been dominated by literary scholars who have been fascinated by his words, who are very fascinated by his, his illuminated books, the stories that he tells, his mythology. Um, and uh, in his printmaking techniques, I mean, all those are wonderful stories, interesting, important stories, and um, important for how we understand Blake. But Blake was, throughout his life, primarily a watercolour painter. Um, I mean, that's what he has, how he spent his whatever time he could, that he wasn't doing commercial work. He used watercolour as his primary medium throughout his life. But watercolour for him wasn't an end for it in itself. Watercolour, he talk, talked about as being um, fresco. He imagined his works being created on a large scale. So... Taking account of that, presenting Blake in a way which emphasises how he was seen by his contemporaries, how he, uh, what his own ambitions were. So not the Blake who's filtered through often quite esoteric and specialised literary scholarship, but the Blake that Blake himself presented and the Blake that was seen by his contemporaries, who was, say, primarily a visual artist and somebody who, who worked with images. So why, why is Blake relevant to the 21st century? But I think there's several ways of answering that. I mean, Blake has inspired generation after generation. His work is rich and contradictory. Um, lots of different people have found different things to take from Blake, um, often contradictory things from Blake. So um, we're not dictating the meaning of his work. But I think that there are probably the key thing that we hope 
we'll be able to take from the show and think about a bit is um, Blake was within his own lifetime and certainly for the generations since the exemplar, the model of what it is to be a creative individual. Uh, both in the kind of creative freedom that he had, in the, his pursuit of imagination and vision, um, in his pursuit of spiritual truths, as he felt them to be truths. All that's really important, but what's important as well is just thinking about, well, what made that possible? Um, uh, the fact that he had a day job doing commercial engraving, that he enjoyed the craft, but it wasn't necessarily the work that he wanted to do, that his creative life was something that took shape out of hours, in the evenings, at the weekends. Um, he wrote poetry in the middle of the, middle of the night. I think that, that model of... Uh, I mean, he's the, he's, he's the archetype of the freelance artist, right? That, that he, he works on projects, he has some support, he has some friendships, he has people who help him out, but he never has that stability, he never has the kind of long-term support that he really kind of wishes for, and that he imagines that artists in the past, like Raphael and Michelangelo had. He had, um, he had a kind of portfolio career, and I think there are contradictions and tensions around that which speak to the present day. Uh, you think, you know, Blake lived during a time of political change with the American Revolution, the French Revolution, long wars with France, but he also lived during a time when what we think of as the modern economy, the market economy, was really you know, taking shape. Uh, I mean, Adam Smith, David Ricardo, these figures who are the kind of prophets of a modern free market were writing and observing a situation that was emerging in Blake's time. So that idea of a free market um, and what that means for artists uh, is something that we can reflect on um, as we look at images which are enormously impactful and immediate and vivid. We can also think about the biographical circumstances, about the way Blake's creative life was, in some important ways, kind of compromised and, and, and constrained, as well as uh, liberating and, and, and inspirational. And for most people who come to this, these kinds of exhibitions, um, they're not really artists, they're um, ordinary people, they've got day jobs and so on. What do you th um, think that Blake can, can say to people about creativity and living the creative life? Well, we're living in a time when the creative life is a model for lots of people. I mean, it's not just creatives, it's not just people working in the creative industries who have these piecemeal careers, who find you know, their time constrained, who find that they uh, uh, have kind of you know, short-term contracts, all those things. I mean, this is very much part of our culture, and it's part of a, uh, a, 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 an economic arrangement and a culture that was taking shape during Blake's time. So I think the lessons are not just for artists, not just for poets, not just for people who aspire to be productive makers of images and, 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 and and literary text, but really for anybody who um, believes in imagination and imaginative freedom and uh, reflecting really on the question of, well, how do you, how do you fulfill that? How do you fulfill your creative life, your imaginative life, even your kind of spiritual life when there are so many forces limiting your time and, 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 and um, social circumstances which are very pressing? Brilliant. Thank you very much, Martin Myrone. So in terms of what we've seen today at the William Blake Exhibition at Tate Britain, Anna Saban Lane, um, what are your impressions? Slightly overwhelmed because um, usually you go to um, a museum and you go to see the William Blakes and there'll be maybe half a dozen uh, paintings or, or uh, engravings and to see such a wealth, I mean apparently 300 um, works of art on display here, um, I'm going to come back is the first thing. <laughs> I'm going to come back every day, no not every day, but I'm going to come back a lot. Um, it, it will take more than one visit to uh, begin to do justice to it. Um, it's really interesting to see the um, development from the very early, quite conventional, as you said, in the first room, um, 
through to some of the most extraordinary apocalyptic images that we're looking at now um, towards the end of his life where he was illustrating things like the Divine Comedy and some of his images of, of hell. Um, actually, some of his images of God are, are, are pretty terrifying. Um, so it, it, just the breadth of what you can see here is, is astonishing. Um, and... Uh, it's been really exciting to, to just get a, a feel for how actually how prolific he was, how much he uh, his output was, and because it's been so scattered, it's been hard to get a feel for that before. Um, but yeah, I want to come back and spend a lot more time looking at all of the different phases because there's also this sense in which it's so diverse, so very very many different styles and, and different themes. Um, that really needs I feel like I come back and spend you know one day looking at one room and then you know <laughs> another looking at the next yes and I, I agree I, I'm quite overwhelmed and I, and I think it's that sense um, that I find quite exciting is that his his pictures and, and, and watercolours are all quite modern. They make me think of Chagall, Matisse, even Picasso, um, because in contrast to the other work around in the 17, late 1700s, early 1800s, um, there is a looseness, a kind of um, a, a radical um, interpretation of, of the world. Um, and I think that was part of his challenge as an artist um, and how he tried to do his own thing, um, but that came up against um, the conventional views of what art should be. And um, he's, he was called a lunatic in his time and he suffered um, great celebration and at one point in his artistic career, but also uh, huge disappointments because the public didn't and the critics didn't really understand what he was doing so that was really interesting for me to learn about that mm -hmm. um, but also very positive to see towards the end of his life he seemed to have got um, regenerated rejuvenated with some new um, artistic artists friends who were of the new generation um, and who looked to him as a father figure and so the later works um, have a much uh, more kind of, uh, it's not quite sure how to vive because, of course, they are these apocalyptic scenes that you've mentioned, but uh, an, an energy, a new, a renewed energy. Yes, and, and energy was something that was just so important to Blake. You know, energy, imagination, uh, vision uh, were all sort of almost the same thing to him and, and the whole kind of life spirit of, of the point of being an artist. And something that you said, you know, contrasting it to the other art of the time, which was very much about uh, portraits where you judge them by how much they look like the person or landscapes where you want to be able to recognise this landscape. You know, you don't recognise Blake's visions you know, as, as looking like anybody or anything. Um, but for him, it, what was in his head, what he wanted to say about the world, um, you know, his very concrete depictions of emotional states or, or almost political states were um, what we see on the walls here and you know there's a truth and uh, um, yeah a, a truth in, the, in those that you don't get from um, kind of literal representation um, and I think that's why poets love him so much, poets and writers and as well as artists, is, is that, uh, that sense of he gets at something which isn't just about a literal depiction of what stuff looks like on the surface. It's, it's about you know, how stuff feels from the inside. And also um, a, a presence throughout this exhibition and throughout Blake's life that uh, we haven't discussed as yet uh, is his wife, Catherine. Mm. Um, can you tell us what you know about her? 
Um, she was um, quite a young woman when they married. Uh, she was of a social class slightly lower than his um, and supposedly illiterate. Uh, that's based on the fact that she across, uh, signed her name with a cross on her marriage um, certificate. Um, she has always been seen as kind of a, a helpmeet, you know, someone who enabled Blake um, by taking care of domestic business and putting food on the table and all the rest of it. Um, what's really interesting and what come, comes out a lot here in this exhibition is how important she was to his art as well, um, particularly in, you know, he's been celebrated as a, a colourist, an amazing colourist, and we're now finding out that actually... Catherine Blake did a lot of the colour um, of a lot of um, his, his artwork. She was absolutely integral to what he was doing. He couldn't have done it. Literally, he couldn't have done the printing of the books without her. Um, so it's really nice to see her being a bit more celebrated. And for me, it continues to raise questions about how much of um, you know, the work of this supposed solitary male genius was actually a partnership between husband and wife. Uh -huh. Conspiracy. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, Anna Sopen Lane, um, for the listeners who would like to find out more about you and your books, where should they go? Right. Uh, yes, go to my website, www.annasopenlane.com. Um, or if you're interested in the first book, um, uh, Unlawful Things, available in good bookshops and uh, online. Fantastic. And would you, uh, as a last word about the exhibition, um, what would you say about listeners who are thinking about coming? Oh, absolutely come. Um, but uh, make sure you've had your breakfast first, you've been to the loo, you've got your comfortable shoes on, and um, be prepared to come more than once. Fantastic. And I would second that. Thank you very much. The William Blake exhibition at Tate Britain runs from 11th September 2019 through to 2nd February 2020. You can find out more at tate.org.uk. Our creative conversation today was recorded at the William Blake Exhibition at Tate Britain with my guests Anna Saban Lane and Martin Myro. There are photos and links to some of the things we talked about on the show notes page. The bit.ly short link for the show notes page is bit.ly bit.ly forward slash creative conversations hyphen podcast. You can also Google Creative Conversations CCV 0207, Season 2, Episode 7, William Blake Review with Yang Mei Ui and Anna Saban Lane. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Creative Conversations podcast, please share it with your friends wherever you share stuff. The Creative Conversations podcast is produced by tigerspirit.co.uk. The podcast web link again is bit.ly bit.ly forward slash creative conversations hyphen podcast. I'm Yang Mei Ui. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as at tigerspirituk. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Mm -hmm.